0: golden state warriors basketball
1: back door to curry got hammered up and good curry came slicing into the right corner this is warriors roundtable he went reverse took the contact threw it up over his head banked it home with the voice of the warriors tim, tim roy. roy on the drive singleton bounce pass stolen by curry curry driving with wall back goes reverse with a left hand it was sweet Steph Curry with a beautiful move. He knew that Wall was going to try to pin him. Curry, high post to Lee. Lee dribbles down over Gasol with a two-hand slam. David Lee, a little elevation sensation, and it prompts a Memphis timeout. Nate backs up toward midcourt, drawing attention. Drives on Jackson. fake, drives again. Step back, 17-foot ankle breaker. Fly, goodness. Reggie Jackson went one way and said, where did he go? Throws right wing to Brandon Rush. He'll take a baseline to the right. Slammed it down. Everybody get out of the way. Just put that one up. A rush flush. Some of the highlights from this past year. I'm Tim Roy. It's the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. It's our final show of the 2011-2012 season as we get ready for the June 2012 draft. Of course, the Warriors with lots of news in the final week of the season. Three different surgeries, which was really the tale of the season. Uh, Andrew Bogut, Steph Curry, and David Lee all undergoing successful surgeries. And good that they get that out of the way now. So they'll be ready to get on the floor Uh, next October. And of course for the Warriors, they won a coin flip on Friday, which puts them in the number 7 position heading into the lottery. And that was very important because in the number 8 spot, you only have a 12% chance of moving up in the draft. And of course at the number 7 spot, you have a 75% chance of retaining your pick. So that was a huge coin flip uh, for the Golden State Warriors. And as a result, if they stay at the 7 spot or higher, then the Golden State Warriors will retain that pick. Anything past number seven, and it goes down to eight or nine. If two teams move up from behind them, then the Utah Jazz will own that draft pick. And Bob Myers is the perfect man to talk to because the Warriors' new general manager now has a potential of four draft picks in the upcoming June draft. I had a chance to sit down with Bob Myers on the day his new appointment was announced. As always, we show you how the Golden State Warriors give back to the Bay Area community with the opening of the Chris Mullen Basketball Court in Oakland. And then I'll have a chance to answer your questions on Warriors Vox on Twitter. That's V O X on twitter and we'll try to get to as many as we can included in that segment a sit down with steph curry i spoke with steph before his surgery about his outlook for next year and for this summer and what an opening weekend for the nba playoffs derrick rose of the chicago bulls going down maybe derailing the bulls title hopes iman Shumpert goes down for the new york knicks a great Ender for Kevin Durant and the Oklahoma City Thunder. As his shot goes in, they beat Dallas in a great game one. And what about the comeback for the LA Clippers last night? They were down 24 early fourth quarter, about nine minutes to go against the Memphis Grizzlies. They come storming all the way back for the win. We'll talk to Scott Howard Cooper of NBA.com about the crazy weekend of the NBA playoffs. It's all this hour here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. I'm Tim Roy. We'll also hear from Coach Mark Jackson on the three rookies that played such a big role for Golden State in the final month of the season and what he expects out of them in this upcoming summer. All here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable coming your way on KBR 680, the sports leader. Chest pass to Lee, right corner good Big baseline, over the head slam for David Lee. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. ICM Oracle Warriors Radio. We're talking with the new general manager of the Golden State Warriors and that is Bob Myers. It's got a nice ring to it. And When you were hired, this was mentioned as, as something was going to happen. Did you expect it to happen this quickly?
2: You know, I didn't think about it in that terms, uh, Tim. I thought um, it was a possibility, but I didn't want to get caught up in the timing of it. What I really wanted to focus on was helping Larry get this team to a place where we could uh, compete and win and um, I felt in the back of my mind if Joe ever thought there was a day where I was deserving and the timing was right, that he would make that decision. So I tried to just focus on doing my job.
1: And talk about the uh, responsibilities now that as you watched Larry do his job over the course of the year, what have you learned about uh, being a GM in this league?
2: <sighs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a difficult job. I think you learn that um, there's a lot of elements to it, more so than what a lot of people would, would think. Um, it touches a lot of things I think overall you're there to improve your team and uh, work with your coach work with your players work with your staff and um, I think as you go through it you realize there's cycles there's free agency where you're focused on acquiring talent deciding how much they're worth Uh, there's the trading deadline where you're examining that and you pour so many hours into this job um, that you really, you can't it's so much more than than just punching a clock. It's it's four in the morning waking up and thinking, should we trade this guy for that guy? <laughs> and, and really part of you is up in the middle of the night thinking, what am I doing thinking about this at four in the morning? And then the other part of you is excited about it. Um, and then the final part is the draft. So as you go through it in a leadership role you need to focus on the task at hand, and the task changes, mm-hmm. and the plan changes, because it's a very fluid type of job, and um, so you wear a lot of hats, but, but ultimately you're there to lead and uh, do the best that you can to get the team to be the best team it can be.
1: So, Bob, as you head into this off season, it's an off season right now that's un- uncertain. You won't know for a few weeks. Whether or not you have a pick in the in the top seven, uh, you do have later on. You have a, a first round pick via San Antonio, two second round picks. What is your job going to be like over the next couple of months in getting ready for the draft?
2: It's so, there's so many scenarios, Tim. I mean, there are thousands. It's um, is it it's, is it just draft with your picks? Is it package your picks? Is it package your picks with another asset to try to acquire a player? Um, there's countless ones, and what you do is over the next two, three months, you funnel it down into a manageable amount of scenarios. First, we need to find out what will happen with the, our potential first-round pick. We'll know that officially May 30th. Uh, then once that trigger occurs, it will be about a month until the draft. And so you really solicit advice from your team, uh, from your group, um, It'll be an interesting time because there's always different factions <clears throat> supporting different ways to go. But ultimately, you, you, as a group, you get down to two or three scenarios and you say, these are our options. We can go a B, C, a, B, or C. And this is when the dust settles, what A looks like, what B looks like, what C looks like. And you'll ultimately get there. It's a long process, but you'll get there where you prioritize this is the way we want to go. And um, there's no exact science to it. There's a little bit of an art to it. But once you get there and you feel good about it, then the challenge is actually implementing it. So there's a ton of things that happen.
1: Just for the record, I, I believe that uh, every lottery that Warriors PR man Raymond Ritter has gone to, we've never we have never moved up. So just keep that in the back of your mind.
2: Well, this year we um, we kno- knowing full well we really are going to take a hard look at whether he accompanies <laughs> me uh, on that trip because he. Uh, you know, some guys are lucky, and I don't know if Raymond's used it all up yeah. or he did something wrong. But, um, Rumors of a, of a, of a great grandfather on the Titanic, yeah. I, is, mean, you know, something yeah, I mean, the guy is. Uh, <laughs> but you know, look, I think uh, everybody gets good luck at some point. So I, I hope uh, if you do look at the history of our team, um, it hasn't. We haven't been blessed with a, a big jump in the lottery. So if it would happen this year, that'd be great.
1: As you look at this team right now, what are the most crucial needs this team to move forward?
2: I have a a natural affinity for rebounding. I think you have to rebound to win, and I think the best teams that do rebound usually are are the winningest teams. So I would tell you that we have to become better at that. So whether it's through the draft or free agency, we have to rebound the ball. I'd also tell you that having length, is very important so there'll be areas we need to address there's certainly a cost benefit to every decision you make but if we could become a better rebounding team a tougher team i think that'll help us in the future
1: and as you uh look at this team heading into next year and warrior fans as we know have had a a tough time of it over the last decade and change If you were to to tell them hey we're on we're on the right track and and we're headed toward the playoffs why would you tell them that and and what reasons would you give?
2: I would tell him that we have, in my opinion, one of the best centers in the NBA. We've shored up a position, uh, not only physically, but mentally. We have a a smart player. We also have next to him a very smart, skilled player in David Lee. Uh, At the three, we've got great depth. Uh, We'd like to keep Brandon Rush. Uh, At the two, we have a young rookie who's growing before our eyes. And at the point guard, it's not a question of his ability it's a question of his health and we think we're taking all the necessary steps to get him right and i believe he will get right and we believe he will get right so if you just line up that group you have to feel confident that it's young it's smart it's a high character group and it's a group that can be successful
1: talk a little bit about now you've been on the job you've worked with joe lake up in the ownership group for the year you know what what does that add to your level of excitement
2: I can't put it in words, Tim. I'm thrilled. I think um, to have the backing of an owner like Joe Lake of Peter Cooper, our ownership group, you can't ask for anything more. I think you really can't. If you're in a position where you're making decisions for an organization, you cannot ask for more support financially um, than they've given. So it's it's thrilling. All the tools to be successful are there. We don't feel like we're handicapped in any way. We've got a great city. We've got a great fan base. And... um, Everything's in place for this team to be successful. There's no reason why we shouldn't be.
1: Final question for you in this go Uh All of us dream about being an NBA player, taking shots in the, in the driveway, and then we all get a little older and most of us don't make the league, and, and we all then automatically become general managers, <laughs> whether it be of our favorite team or of every team around the, the NBA. Did you ever envision this day when you were getting shots up in the driveway or at Pauly Pavilion or wherever? No,
2: I didn't. I would tell you this. The thing I knew as a kid that was that I love basketball. I just love the game, and so to get a chance to work for the team that was my first exposure to the game on a professional level is uh, beyond words and uh, it's not a dream I could have conceived um, but i just I just love being around the game it's i I at any level, if I'm driving on the street and I pass a hoop on a driveway, I look and see if anybody's <laughs> shooting. If, I, if there's a game on TV, if there's a high school game, college, pro, pickup, um, it's uh, it's in my blood. So to be in this position and, and hoping to get this team going in the right direction is just... Uh, It it is a dream come true, but one I was afraid to dream, it was a dream I didn't think I could ever realize.
1: Congratulations on the job, and and, uh, best of luck.
2: Thanks, Tim. Appreciate it.
1: So the task ahead for Warriors' new general manager, Bob Myers. Four draft picks potentially in the 2012 NBA draft. He's already been quoted as saying that if the Warriors secure that number seven pick, they'll probably be making some kind of a deal. Uh, during that draft. Hey, don't forget, you can secure the best remaining lower-level seat locations for the upcoming season of Warriors basketball with Warriors season tickets. Guarantee your seats tonight by calling 1-888-GSW-HOOP and pressing option number 1. When we continue here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, the final show of the 2011-2012 season, the Chris Mullen Court is now open and ready for jump shots. That's next on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Pastor White over the head, Doug caught it right at the rim. What a pass!
2: We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable.
1: The Golden State Warriors continue to give back to the Bay Area community, and the latest effort was the unveiling of the Chris Mullen Court the Arroyo Viejo Recreation Center in Oakland. The Hall of Famer was on hand along with Oakland Mayor Gene Kwan and our own Jim Barnett. The Golden State Warriors Community Foundation, in conjunction with PG&E and the Good Tidings Foundation, refurbished the basketball courts at Arroyo Viejo as part of the team's Making Hoops program. The Good Tidings Foundation has now refurbished 45 courts throughout the Bay Area and 13 in the city of Oakland since 1996. And who better to name a basketball court after than the guy that still loves to get some shots up? And that's our own Chris Mullen.
3: I was here about a month or two ago, and it's just incredible with pg and good tidings, and the Warriors Foundation, the work that's been done. And I grew up in a neighborhood much like this, in Brooklyn, New York. And as I said a few months ago, this is where we played. This is where we, we found our passion and our dream. I would be out here in, in the evening, counting down in my head, five, four, just like you did, three, two, to, to make that buzzer shot. And growing up, I was a huge Nick fan, be it Walt Frazier or Willis Reed. Those were the guys I was trying to imitate, to emulate. And not just their games, but the way they conducted themselves and Jim, and Nate, Al Adels. These were people in the Warriors organization that set the path for me. Not only on the court, but in the community. So we have basketball courts here. Beautiful, I can't imagine a nicer court than this. It's so beautiful. Uh, It's like dreaming in color, in high definition. It's just beautiful for you guys to use. But it's not just basketball, it's community. As we're all here today, you can play on Ricky Henderson's uh, baseball field, basketball, you have a play set, the kids over here on the swings, it's all about bringing us together and helping each other. And my college coach told me years ago, the good ones do for themselves and the great ones do for others. And PG&E, Good Tidings and the Warriors are given back to the community to share and help each other. And we all go through struggles, but it's not what happens to us, it's how we deal with it. And I think these courts, the nice fields here can really help this community grow and grow together and help our youngsters. And you guys who, who love basketball or baseball, this is where we come from. You know, we weren't put on this earth and they didn't just throw Nate Thurman into a, a warrior uniform and hang his jersey up. He worked and worked and worked with help of a lot of people, coaches, mentors, teachers. The city of Oakland has done a beautiful job of taking care of the community here. So I mean, it's my honor. I just look at that. And it's, it's beautiful. It really is. Can't wait to come back. Maybe run a summer league or a camp or something through the Warriors. So I'd like to thank everybody for coming out today. Enjoy the court. Enjoy each other. Build new friendships. Compete. And just God bless you. Thank you.
1: We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Time now to answer your questions on Twitter at WarriorsVox. It was my first full season on Twitter, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And to please give us some suggestions at Warriors Box, Warriors VOX as to how better to use Twitter in the future to help meet your Golden State Warrior needs. But we've been answering your questions all year long at Warriors Box and hashtag AskTim. So let's get right to the questions. It's going to be a busy offseason for the Golden State Warriors, and uh, PINCO wants to know, with both under contract, where do Darrell Wright and Richard Jefferson fit in next year? Is Wright going to get squeezed out? Well, you know, certainly it's always good to have an abundance of talent, and you use contracts sort of like chips, and I think the Warriors now have assets that they can move to help shore up other places, if you will. And with Brandon Rush there, there's certainly a number of guys who can play the three position. That's an area that the Warriors have, I think, taken care of right now. So don't be surprised if something happens there, not because the Warriors don't like any of those players, but simply because you have so many people there that you might be able to move one to build up another slot. So it's certainly just the way the NBA works. It's not, not a like or dislike, It's just the fact that if you have an abundance of talent at one position, it might behoove you to maybe move one of those guys to help shore up another area. On to the uh, next question. MDP23 wants to know, did Jenkins do enough at the end of the year to secure the backup job to Steph, or will the Warriors bring in a vet? I think that's a great question, because certainly, Charles Jenkins played so well coming down the stretch, really showed some poise at the point guard position. I don't think any of us were really ready for that. He really played well, and he's now given the Golden State Warriors a tough decision to make. Before the rookies, Charles Jenkins, big man Jeremy Tyler, and Clay Thompson, who I believe will be an all-rookie team honoree when the votes are counted this year in the nba it's going to be a great off season for them because now they get summer league they get a true training camp they get to accelerate their learning curve before the second to last game of the season i sat down with head coach mark jackson and asked him what he expects and what he wants from those three rookies this summer
4: i'd like to see him better at pick and roll situations where he's handling the basketball i'd like to see him more comfortable handling the ball certainly got better over the course of the season doing that Um, a a better defender. He he is a good defender, but I think he can be even better, a better rebounder. And um, just continue to to improve and and not be satisfied and don't limit himself to just a great shooter. He's more than that.
1: Same question with Charles Jenkins.
4: Uh, I'd like to see him um, uh, lose a little weight. Um, Not that he's overweight, but I think he can be even faster Uh, at a a lower lower weight, Um, but continue to uh, learn the point guard position. With all due respect, he came in as a two guard, trying to be a one. He's made that jump. Now he's got to continue to get better, but he's a true professional. I have no doubts about him.
1: And finally, uh, Jeremy Tyler.
4: Keep improving. Uh, Get stronger physically. Um, uh, Get back that explosiveness that all these, you know, there's shortened season has taken away from him and uh, feel more and more comfortable on the post where he can be a legitimate threat but um i think it's going to be a big summer for those guys and i think that they've had success so it's going to make it that much easier coming back
1: gsw fan for life wants to know will jeremy tyler be on the warriors next season and is next year another rebuilding year for the team well, answer question number one. Yes, Jeremy Tyler will be with the Golden State Warriors. I think he showed us uh, just flashes there of the talent that he has. He certainly has the confidence and the determination. So I think it's going to be good for... Uh, Jeremy Tyler to get the Summer League, play a couple of weeks there, and and, and I'm not sure if he's your backup center at this point or backup power forward at this point, but he certainly now has given the Warriors another big they can bring off the bench, and that's going to help, I think, not only next year, but years to come. And just think about Jeremy Tyler. He's only 20 years old. He's just learning how to play. He doesn't know what he doesn't know yet. I mean, it's really intriguing to watch him grow, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun as he matures over the next few seasons. Now let's move on to Steph Curry. Obviously, the ankle injuries kept Steph from performing at the level he wanted and kept him off the floor for most of the year. And for Steph, this is going to be a very big summer, obviously. The recent surgery showed that there was nothing that needed to be corrected inside the ankle other than cleaning out some debris, and that was very good news for Steph. Before the surgery, I had a chance to sit down with Steph and talk to him about the frustration of this year and also what he intends to do this summer to make sure that next year is a big year, not only for Steph, but for the Golden State Warriors. Never good to have surgery, as you know. but but I, I guess the timing of it gives you all the summer to do what you have to do. Yeah, I mean, nobody likes to go under
5: the knife if they can't can avoid it at all costs, so we've uh, handled the, the process pretty well, I think, given the time to rehab and, and heal and trying to get back on the floor, but, you know, the, the schedule the way it was, not have enough time to do that, so going back to the drawing board, um, you know, just going to get a clean out of all, all the injuries I've had with the right ankle, so uh, hopefully that'll it'd be a pretty pretty minor surgery and uh, be ready for October.
1: So where are you with the rehab right now?
5: The past five weeks has just been about trying to get it pain-free. Um, there's still a little bit of swelling, a little uh, soreness and tightness, so Right now it's just, uh, you know, letting the doctor do his, do his job and, and go in and, uh, you know, clean it out and patch it back up and get back to more rehab uh, so that I can take advantage of the summer, uh, work on my game, and get ready for next year.
1: And obviously, you know, this will give you the, in, the entire summer to work, but I, I have to ask you, how, how frustrating are you right now?
5: It's very frustrating. You know, well, injuries are something everybody in the NBA deals with. To a certain point, um, and you know, for the last two years, having to deal with the same injury over and over again—that's a—it it does get frustrating. And you know, with rehab, it kind of gets a little you get a little alienated. Just that's the same thing you're doing every single day. And for me, I haven't been able to get on the floor as a result. So um, another summer uh, having to, to go through this process, but you know, hopefully, it'll be a minor hookup, and the next year we won't even—you know—remember what happened at this time. We have a good team coming in next year, and if we're healthy for the entire you know, entirety of the season, I think we got a very promising future.
1: Talk about that—is is it tempting to look
5: ahead? Oh yeah, I mean, you've got guys like fighting to continue to you know build the, the warrior identity that we've been trying to build, and uh, you know you can't look past these these next uh, four games to to look at next season. But obviously, we know we have guys that aren't healthy that can't be on the floor, so. Uh, myself being one of them, it's easier for me to do that, but there's still, there's still a season to play.
1: Talk about Charles Jenkins. How do you
5: think he's doing? He's definitely come along a great uh, great way this season. Uh, you know, Been thrown out there to uh, learn on the job and play significant minutes at the point guard position, and I think with him, it'll be a, uh, looking back, it'll be a great experience for him to, to kind of look back on and figure out what he learned from uh, Coach Jackson and, and the situations he's been put in, and and uh, start his career off strong.
1: So as you get ready for the summer, do you have a goal in mind as to how strong you want to be or, or any, any particular goals? Well, just to get through the
5: surgery, recover 100% fully. Uh, you know, there is no rush, really, like I've been in the past five weeks to, to really push it so I can allow it to heal completely. And then after that, it's uh, just continue working my game. Last year... I was kind of on the couch for three or four months, not being able to get on the floor and work out until maybe October, so hopefully this summer I'll become a better player with uh, the time i have.
1: Have you and and Andrew Bogut, David Lee talked about next year at all, and if so, uh, can you share part of those conversations?
5: I mean, just the, the normal stuff of how different the lineup's going to be and roles that everybody's going to have to play. Um, and the fact that if we're healthy, we have a great chance to be a playoff team. And Get back on the floor uh, and be competitive in the West. Uh, you know, we have a, a dominant big man who's proven that he's, um, you know, can draw attention down low. David can space the floor. We've got a lot of shooters and playmakers, so uh, we're gonna build our bench up and be a good team.
1: Been a big couple of years for you—some good, some not so good.
5: Yeah, been up and down. It's—it's uh, it's hard. It's easy to forget, you know, the, the good times we've had the first three years of my career. So just overshadowed by injuries but um, I I think I'm a better player than I was when I came out as a rookie and more knowledgeable now so as long as I get through this this tough time uh, I think it'll make me a better person better player more patient more understanding of uh, of the business and and, you know hopefully a better leader when that comes down to it next year.
1: Finally if, if you're stopped by a Warriors fan and they're asking you about the future what would you say? get
5: excited um you know it's not it's not like just us guys being healthy is gonna gonna take us uh you know, be a championship team right away but i think we're making all the right necessary moves to to get to that level and we're gonna be working harder than ever this summer and going into training camp next year to to uh you know give oracle or give the warrior fans and and, and uh, our home home court advantage at oracle something to cheer for so we know the energy they bring every night, and uh, I think if we start winning and put a good product out there, it'll be a great atmosphere all the way around.
1: Steph, thanks for the chat. Again, uh, best of luck with the surgery, and hope to see you back on the hardwood sometime soon. I appreciate it, too. My thanks to uh, Steph Curry and also Head Coach Mark Jackson for his cooperation throughout the entire season, and we hope you enjoyed the interviews here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Don't forget the Warriors are offering summer basketball camp sessions for boys and girls ages 7 through 15 at several locations throughout the Bay Area, including the Warriors practice facility in downtown Oakland. Discounts are available for early registration, multiple siblings, and multiple sessions. Each session also includes two tickets to a 2012-2013 Warriors home game. For more information, go to warriors.com. Online registration is available. Scott Howard Cooper from NBA.com when we continue here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Turns the corner, down the lane, the two ways We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. It's the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, the final show of the year for 2011, 2012 and Tim Roy, as we continue to Look back at the Warriors' season with hopeful times maybe ahead, as well as looking at the NBA playoffs. And who better to help us with that than Scott Howard, Cooper, NBA.com and longtime veteran scribe covering the NBA. And, Scott, what a crazy weekend. And you could hear the gasp that went through the NBA community when Derrick Rose went down in Game 1 of their series. And for the Chicago Bulls, looked like they were comfortably cruising to a win And all of a sudden, their whole focus just changed. What did that do, do you think, to the NBA playoffs and to the Eastern Conference?
0: Well, it's a dramatic change without any question, because I I think most people would have a really hard time staying with the Bulls as either the favorite to come out of the East or one of the favorites uh, along with Miami. Right now, uh, it's tough to find anybody outside that locker room, I would think, that, that still believes. They've lost their best player, their point guard. The guy that makes everything happen. This is a huge blow not only for the Bulls, but as you mentioned, it's a dramatic change for the entire league.
1: When you look at Chicago and they they got it done during the regular season without Derrick Rose, but but can they do that in the playoffs with with John Lucas the third and C J Watson?
0: No, I believe that the playoffs are a much different situation. The playoffs are about closers. It's I, I make the analogy Uh, it's similar to what the Nuggets went through a few years ago, a couple years ago after they traded Carmelo Anthony. They continued to play well. Everybody got their hopes up. Then they got to the playoffs and just couldn't sustain it. Uh, The playoffs are much different when you have a lot more time to prepare for an opponent, a lot more time to dissect what you want to do against the other team, how to handle certain situations, how to handle players. It's certainly a lot more pressure for a guy like John Lucas to step into. I, I think it's a, a much different situation than what the Bulls went through during the regular season.
1: Now, if you look at the, the other uh, scenarios going around the Eastern Conference, we'll stay there for a moment, Ray John Rondo getting tossed in the, in their ballgame in Atlanta. He bumps referee Mark Davis more than likely. He'll get at least one game of a suspension. What does that do for Boston in what might be the final run of this big three.
0: Well, it might make them think we should have traded this guy before. (laughs) I don't don't think (laughs) they're quite at that extent because uh, the Celtics playing well at the end of the regular season and showing itself to be a team that can do some damage in the playoffs, not win the East, but win a series. And then you go ahead and do something like this, which is ridiculous because it could potentially cost them at least two games because it was a a four-point game in the fourth quarter when he got kicked out. So the Celtics are still very much in that game. They end up losing there. He's going to get suspended. If he gets one game, that's a gift for the for uh, the Celtics. I think it's going to be at least two, if not more. Uh, remember, he got suspended earlier this season, and prior history is taken into account. Maybe they're going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say, yeah, okay, that, I see what you're saying about that whole momentum into the referee thing. Uh, but it was a... It was a brainless move in so many different ways, hurting the team. He's a veteran player who has been in huge situations before. You have to be able to control your emotions. It's not like there was a scuffle with another player that he was standing up for himself. It's not like something got away from him. There was the ref that had a back turn to him, and he still went after him. A guy like Rondo has got to be in much better control than
1: that. A team that sent a message maybe in game one, the Miami Heat,
0: I don't know that it was any more of a message than they've been sending for much of the season. I I think for a lot of the last several months we've been seeing a different group than we saw last season and and even at the end of last season in the playoffs when they lost. They seem to have a lot more focus, uh, a lot more concern about uh, June and the ring than about about, uh, the glamour of joining a new team as they had the season before. Uh, I don't know that we necessarily saw anything new in terms of a statement off of Game 1, just a continuation of, of a team that seems to have it together pretty
1: good. Yeah, I think uh, Shumpert's going to be a loss for the Knicks because he's sort of one of their, their glue guys. But but I just think Miami's coming into this postseason, you know, I may be in the minority here, but I just think they're much more relaxed. I think they're much more, They're, they're they, all year long to me, It it's looked like they're just having a lot more fun this year. You know that oh, they really, yeah, they mean that they're really comfortable now in their own skin. I don't think they were last year.
0: I think you're you're exactly right, and that's sort of what I was referring to—that the that they seem to be in a much better place mentally right now, and that's obviously a huge factor because I don't think anybody really doubted their ability on the court. Are they the perfect team? No, not by not by any means. There are obviously some big questions inside and. Uh, what are you going to get from your bigs on a regular basis? And they're relying on some players that a lot of teams wouldn't necessarily want and feel comfortable relying on. But there's no perfect team out there. Everybody's got some flaw. And uh, right now, I would think Miami is clearly the favorite in the East, again, going back to the Derrick Rose injury. And certainly, if you were to pick them right now to say they're the, they're the favorites to win the championship, some people might disagree with you, but nobody could say that's a ridiculous call. This is a team that that certainly has championship capability.
1: Now, the Orlando Magic, were they just finally happy to not have to answer any questions about (laughs) the Dwight? So they got nice and relaxed and played well?
0: There's something to be said for that. Not so much just the not answering questions, but there was a lot of pressure that fell off as soon as uh, his injury. Because then it became, uh, not only was there not a circus around with the the traveling Dwight show and, and the constant stream of questions, but then it became nobody really expected them to even win a series, and to not have to, you know, face all those those doubts sometimes is a good thing. And they play like a team that was relaxed that nobody expected to do much, and uh, they can come up and bite you like that.
1: Scott Howard Cooper of NBA. dot com, our our guest. Let's go to the Western Conference. Uh, boy, Andrew Bynum was impressive, uh, though. You know, I think Denver needed to recognize after a while that he was there. Uh, But, you know, what was surprising to me, that's the first triple-double by the Lakers in a playoff game since Magic Johnson, 1991.
0: Wow. Surprised me as well. Uh, I wasn't aware of that until I saw the stat. You would have thought through the years, they have had one or two good players since Magic left. So, statistically, it it was a, a unique situation. It was a tremendous showing, I think defensively, obviously more than anything, but offensively, he didn't come close to showing how good he can be. That's that's one of the interesting aspects coming out of the game is everybody was talking about how good he was, and he could still be even better because most of his work on offense, the ball was right at the rim, either a little bit of a, a lob from a teammate, a chip shot lob, offensive rebound, something like that. It's not like he had to do any real moves. He certainly by no means is going to get 10 blocks a game. He's not even going to continue to get five or six blocks a game. If you're going to get three from him, you're going to be very happy. But this is, right now, I think there's a lot of people walking around Lakers front office sort of shaking their heads and saying, yeah, this is we always believed could happen when he gets himself in a right frame of mind. And, and you know as well as anybody because one of his big moments was in Golden State when mm-hmm. he decided to audition for the three-point shootout all of a sudden. <laughs> yes. And that's the flip side. So when you get rid of that part of Andrew Bynum, the knucklehead factor, and he's just worried, and he's focused, and he's grounded, and he's playing, he's a a very good player who's only going to get better, because although he's in his seventh season, he's he's still young. You can see the progress from last season to this season, and if he makes another step forward from this season to next season, I don't think anybody would be surprised, so uh, this is a guy that is that can, can be a consistent 2010 player going to the future, and if he's going to be defending like that as well, as he did yesterday, as, as Mike Brown said, that you're looking at a long playoff run if he's going to continue to play like that.
1: You know, it's funny, uh, he had the 10-block shots, and they say he tied uh, Kareem, Shaquille O'Neal, and Wilt for the uh, 10 blocks, but it, they didn't start keeping blocks until the the 70s, and you have to wonder that somewhere along the way, Wilter Russell in the 60s had about a 15-block game somewhere along the way. But I just, just, you know, that's just me. I wanted to talk about this game last night, because all of a sudden, you know, the Memphis Grizzlies, who were playing superb basketball, all of a sudden just stopped playing and started taking, you know, contested jump shots coming down the stretch, and that just opened the door, and, you know, hats off to the Clippers. What a comeback. That was crazy.
0: When you started off this interview by talking about the groan that was heard around the league and you transitioned into the Bulls and Derrick Rose getting hurt, I thought you were going to be talking about the Grizzlies, because I think there's there's that similar sound coming out of Memphis right
1: now. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's more of a whale coming out of Memphis right and, now, I think. It's, and
0: around the league, it's yeah. certainly disbelief. I don't know if it's a groan, because it's not like anybody necessarily has a anti-Grizzly factor out there, but... anti-Clipper factor out there as well, but that was one of those historical moments that if the Clippers end up winning the series and maybe even advancing beyond the first round, this will be the moment that will be pointed to for years to come. As You don't get that very often where you could say, here's eight or ten minutes that changed history, and that could be what we were looking at. If nothing else, even if the Clippers lose the series, uh, it it still was pretty amazing, Historical on a certain level when you have a comeback like that. And as you said, it was the Grizzlies' offense. It was also the Grizzlies' defense. At some point, you're going to have to start getting out on some of the shooters when a guy like
1: Nick Young has got a
0: hot streak going on.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they um, had, was they had a, some wide yeah, open it was, looks.
0: A, it was a tremendous collapse by Memphis, but I think you had the key point there as well that you have to give credit to the Clippers because they certainly had every reason in the world at some point to just cash it in and say, all right, let's just. Get through these next eight or ten minutes, and we'll come back strong in game two, and they didn't do that at all.
1: You know, it's funny, too, the, the what I was thinking last night as I, I watched uh, the Clippers celebrate it, it, is, is kind of on the same thing you were talking about. You know, the, it's the moment, but maybe not for the Clippers, but for the Grizzlies. I mean, that's the kind of loss that haunts teams, you know, that keep, that, that keeps a team from progressing to where they should be or where they could be if you will. You know, that that could be, you know, we could look back in three or four years on the Grizzlies and say, you know what, it turned that night. If they win that game or if they, you know, they cruise in that game and win that series, uh, maybe they go on as a, you know, perennial Western contender for the the conference championship. And if they don't and things go a little bit sour next year, you know, I wonder about things. I wonder about those kind of pivotal moments.
0: I think that's, proper perspective to have. We're not really going to know about last night until 10 days from now or two weeks from now because we have to see what it leads to. If Memphis comes back and they win the next four games by 50 points each, then we're going to have the perspective of, wow, this is a team that really knows how to dig in. They face the adversity and they bounce back. If they lose this series, then we have a completely different perspective, but we still know then what it really meant, that when you're up that big, at home, you're playing a team that's been on the road quite a bit, had a bad finish to the regular season, and you still can't close them out, then that tells you something very bad about your team. Let's remember that I think this also goes back to last year as well. When you talk about how fast things turned, it's not just about last night. Remember, this is a team that lost in the playoffs last season and was getting patted on the back for it because nobody expected them to go that far. And the playoffs last season ended with people saying, boy, a great showing by the Grizzlies, even though they lost, they didn't have uh, Rudy Gay, and they still had a good performance. What a team heading to the future. They turned that into a pretty good regular season, and now the playoffs come back, and everybody's saying, boy, we've been waiting for this for 11 months. This is our time. We can't wait for the playoffs. And, P.S., watch out for that next step because you're going off a cliff. Those are the real interesting
1: things. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about San Antonio because I think the uh, stars are aligning for them this year. I mean, Oklahoma City's very good, and, and I was very impressed with what Dallas did in their game against the Thunder, uh, those veterans getting it done. But I just, you know, they're, they're, when the Spurs are healthy and they've got role players that are giving them something and, you know, the adding Steven Jackson's going to be a plus for them in the playoffs, uh, I just think that it might be their year again.
0: That's the interesting thing is, it would have been difficult to foresee this in December when the season started because you couldn't have expected Kawhi Leonard to be this well-rounded. I think that they expected he'd, he'd defend and give him some rebound, but uh, maybe his offensive game was a, a couple years away. Uh, Gary Neal came back, did not, get, did not get satisfied with the success he had uh, last season, kind of coming out of nowhere. They acquire Stephen Jackson, they acquire Boris Diaw, Uh, They make a few other moves. They're getting some contributions from Danny Green that nobody could have expected. This is a team that, as much as you could say, well, the Spurs are always going to be there, it's still a surprise because of the the reasons they're, they're at this point, and not strictly because of Parker, Ginobili, and Duncan. They're getting contributions that, realistically, they probably had no right to expect. And so maybe you saying the stars have aligned is a pretty accurate statement because a lot of things have gone right at the right time, in addition to the obvious talents they have. of Parker having a terrific season and their great coaching uh, of Greg Popovich and that veteran presence that has been with them all season to the point that they could come through Golden State twice near the end of the regular season and be telling all the world, yeah, we're just going to keep resting our guys. We're not worried about number one and still go out and play well and win a lot of games down the stretch to go into the playoffs with a lot of momentum, even without their real lineup.
1: Scott Howard Cooper, always a pleasure to uh, talk with you enjoy your coverage of the playoffs and you can check him out at nba.com or on twitter where your handle is
0: s howard cooper without the hyphen
1: there we go always a pleasure my friend thank you tim Scott Howard Cooper of NBA.com. You want to check him out and keep yourself updated on the NBA playoffs. And you can check out the Warrior cast at warriors.com slash audio for the latest Warrior interviews, including local radio show appearances, pre- and post-game interviews, practice interviews, weekly roundtable show archives, and much more. In fact, you can subscribe to the Warriors Weekly Roundtable on iTunes. For all the latest Warrior podcast and interactive audio content, Bookmark the Warrior Cast page at Warriors.com slash audio. Can it be? Are we down to the final segment of the season of the Warriors Weekly Roundtable? Stay tuned and find out on kmbr six eighty, the sports leader. I don't believe it. I can't believe it. You're unbelievable. Unbelievable. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Time now for our Cash Creek Casino Resort upcoming broadcast. And we don't have broadcast to update you on. We do have dates, though. Of course, the Warriors winning the coin flip on Friday. So that number seven pick now is very much in play for Golden State. But the lottery, the actual lottery, is on May the 30th. So go to NBA.com and Warriors.com for all the information on the lottery and where you can view that. Again, it's on May the 30th, the NBA lottery. The actual draft is on June 28th. So between now and the lottery, and then between the lottery and the draft, keep it on Warriors.com for the latest interviews, what the Warriors are doing, talking about some of the workouts that they'll be having. Warriors.com will be your place to go to find out all that information, and then on to summer league in Vegas, you can join R. C. Davis there in Vegas on the July the 9th As the Golden State Warriors will be heading to summer league, uh, Jeremy Tyler will be there, Charles Jenkins will be there, and we even hear that Clay Thompson will be there as well. So that'll be a lot of fun if you can get over to Vegas, or of course we'll watch some of the telecast on NBA.com. I'm Tim Roy, and the season officially wrapped up here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. My thanks to the best producer in the NBA. R.C. Davis, for all his work all season long. I want to thank this week's guests, including Steph Curry, Mark Jackson, new general manager Bob Myers, and, of course, Scott Howard Cooper, and thanking all of our guests and friends of Warriors Radio, for their cooperation not only this year, but throughout the years. It's been my pleasure and my honor to broadcast Warriors basketball to you over the last 17 years, and hopefully in year number 18, when we're having this show at the end of April, we're talking about first-round matchups of the Golden State Warriors and the not talking about the lottery. Hoping for good health for all the Warriors over the upcoming uh, summer. I, Tim Roy, Dave Feldhouse, always the man at the controls for the Warriors Weekly Roundtable Show, and we thank him for his service over the years. I'm Tim Roy, and for our Warriors draft coverage, go to warriors.com for updates as to how we'll be progressing in covering the 2012 NBA draft. I, Tim Roy, thank you for listening for this season of Golden State Warriors basketball. We'll talk to you next year here at KMBR 680, the sports leader and the Golden State Warriors radio network. Stay tuned. ESPN radio is on the way. Golden State Warriors basketball. The drop step up and over Howard. That's good. For tickets, go to Warriors.com or call 1-888-GSW-HOOP.